Scripture passage this evening is Romans chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 1751. I'm going to start the reading in chapter 4, verse 1, for the sake of context. This point, here now the reading of God's holy, inspired an infallible word. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised? We're also for the uncircumcised. We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It's the reading of God's word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also looking at Lord's Day 25 in the Heidelberg Catechism. It can be found in on page 32 in the back of your green Psalter hymnals. Lord's Day 25 says this. You confess that by faith alone you share in Christ and all his blessings. Where does that faith come from? The Holy Spirit produces it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it through our use of the Holy Sacraments. What are sacraments? Sacraments are holy signs and seals for us to see. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, he might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and might put his seal on that promise. And this is God's gospel promise to forgive our sins and give us eternal life by grace alone because of Christ's one sacrifice finished on the cross. Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Right! In the Gospel, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and through the Holy Sacraments, He assures us that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? Two. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. 
Now, um, back in the day when I had an Indiana driver's license, there came a time when I had to put those things behind me. I couldn't claim an Indiana address anymore, so I had to go and get an Illinois driver's license. And I was kind of confident about, you know, taking the test. Oh, I've done this. I can take the written test, and this will be a, a snooze. I'll pass this written test. This is going somewhere, I promise. So most of the questions on the written tests were pretty common sense. You know, what do you do when you come to a stop sign? How far out? You can kind of guess your way through that. But then came the dreaded section that I forgot about and realized the one section that you can't just go in without studying for. It's the one with the signs, right? Because on the Illinois written driving test, they have this whole section where they give you the road signs, but they mess with you because... They take the words off the signs, right? Or they take the symbols off the signs. And so, you know, you guys can probably understand. You do not want to know how uh, much I practiced drawing an octagon for this. So this is an octagon. It's got eight sides. And if you saw that and imagine it's red, you would say what? Stop, Stop sign, right? But this part of the Illinois written driving test would just give you the shape and the color. And you had to write in what it was. What am I getting at here? What I'm getting at is I realized in that moment how important... The word was to me understanding the meaning of the sign. I see stop. I know what that means, right? But then if you take stop off, it might be a little bit harder to understand what the sign is for. The word informs us what the meaning of the sign is. The words on the sign point to the meaning of the sign. So, what does this have to do with the sacraments? Well, we'll get to that. We're moving from the portion of the catechism, which is about the Apostles' Creed, to the section of the catechism on the sacraments of the church. And I think this is probably one of the most important parts of the catechism for this reason. It is Reformed view of sacraments which makes the Reformed church differ from many other Christian traditions or Christian forms of Christianity. So it's important that we learn this, learn what we believe about the sacraments. This is still contained within the section of the Catechism about grace or salvation. And it's a moving away from, okay, so we've established that we've been justified by faith alone, right? But where does that faith come from? Where does that faith come from? That's why the Catechism writers put the sacraments here because they understood that the sacraments were something that were strengthening or informing 
our faith and not the other way around. These answers are longer, the answers in this section of the Catechism, because of the big debate and the importance around the sacraments in the Reformation. So one of the largest parts that was worked on in the Reformation, one of the largest things that was reformed about worship in the Reformation was the sacraments. How are they to be administered? How often should we uh, partake of them? What are the sacraments? Is there seven, like the Roman Catholic Church says, or is there only two? Um, So on and so forth. Or three, as some people, um, uh, the Lutherans still say there's three. Penance is one, uh, the sacraments that they say. So this was a large debate, a large conversation, and that's why there's such a weightiness and such a length to the way the catechism deals with it. They represent a real attempt to rightly understand what had become so abused by that point. I remember when I was in my church history class, uh, Dr. Strange told us, if you look at Thomas Aquinas' theological book, you'll realize there's no treatise on the Holy Spirit. It goes straight from Christ to the sacraments. And the reason for that is because the Reformation, John Calvin was often called the, uh, uh, the theologian of the Holy Spirit, because without a proper understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit gets sucked up into the sacraments. We'll get to that. Let's look at the, the theme here. Faith. This is a theme. Faith is formed in us By the gospel, fortified in us by the sacraments, and focused upon Christ. So the three things we're going to look at is how faith is formed. Number two, how faith is fortified. And number three, how faith is focused. How faith is formed, how faith is fortified, how faith is focused. And if you're understanding rightly, how faith is formed is told uh, to us in question and answer 65. How faith is fortified is told to us in question and answer 66. And how faith is focused is, questioned, uh, is it's told to us in question and answer 67. So that's the way we're going to look at the catechism tonight. And we'll bring the scripture in as we go through it to show that what the catechism is teaching us is just what the word of God is teaching us summarized. So. Let's look at point one. Formed. How is faith formed in us? Question 65 says, You confess that by faith alone you share in Christ and all his blessings. Where does that faith come from? It's a good question, right? And the answer is the Holy Spirit produces it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel. So, one number one, we're being told that the Holy Spirit is the one who's active in the formation of our faith. 
It's not something we're mustering up. It's not something that uh, we're creating in ourselves. The Holy Spirit is the one who is, he is active in the formation of our faith, and he produces it in us when we hear the preaching of the gospel. He produces it in us when we hear the preaching of the gospel, and then the transitional phrases here confirms it. Through the sacraments. So faith is formed in us by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel and then confirmed in us or strengthened in us, fortified in us uh, through our use of the sacraments. But let's look first at this. One big huge conversation in the Reformation was the importance of the word. The preaching of the gospel was so focused and so, um, so focused upon in the Reformation that uh, one of the criticisms that comes to the Heidelberg Catechism is that there is no portion in the Heidelberg Catechism which deals with preaching the Word. But that's because it's not bolded out. doesn't mean that it's underemphasized. The Heidelberg Catechism tells us here, first and foremost... That faith is produced in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel. The preaching comes first. Preaching of the Holy Gospel is what we would call the ordinary uh, means. Ordinary means. By which God works in us. Gives us a new heart. Preaching of the Gospel. Now, the Holy Spirit... He forms faith in people in various ways. Not always through the preaching of the gospel. But those are extraordinary means. It is not how God operates ordinarily. God has told us in his word that he ordinarily brings about salvation in the lives of his people when they hear the preaching of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Or, if you can think about uh, Lydia in Paul's encounter in Acts, comes to Paul, and then the scriptures tell us God opened Lydia's heart to hear the good news, to hear what Paul had to say, the message that Paul was bringing. So the ordinary means by which faith is formed in us by the Holy Spirit is when we hear the preaching of the gospel. And this is important because this is what brings value to the worship service. This is the reason why, personally, I desire that my children come to the worship service and to hear the news about Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Because the blessing of being a covenant child is largely in part due to the fact that they are... They are around to hear the preaching of the gospel. They are in the church to hear the preaching of the good news. And we have been told that the way that the Holy Spirit ordinarily works through the lives of his people is through the preaching of the gospel. Then it tells us that it confirms it in us through the sacraments. 
There's something that we see every time we come to church that we probably don't think about. It has to do with the way that the furniture is arranged here in the sanctuary. And we might not think anything of it because it's always what we've been used to, but in the back, back, back in the day, the most central and most focused upon and emphasized piece of furniture in the sanctuary or in the cathedral or whatever it would have been, what they would call the altar. It would be where the elements of Christ's body and blood would be held. In fact, you are to bow to it because they believe that it truly is Christ's body and blood. And if it is Christ's body and blood, then you should honor it, right? But when the Reformation came about, and an emphasis was placed on the preaching of God's word because they understood that the sacraments only had meaning in those who have been renewed, who have a true and living faith. This is what happened. The pulpit was placed up here, central and above. And I know I'm, I'm kind of not, not, not doing it because I come down here to preach. But the pulpit is placed central and above the table, and the baptismal font. And that communicates to you guys that every time you come in here, this church believes in the power of God's Word. That this church believes that when the Word of God is proclaimed and the Gospel is proclaimed, faith comes and is formed in God's people. And it is that faith which is in us, which has been given to us by the Holy Spirit, who, who, by ordinary means of the preaching of the gospel, forms this faith in us. It is that faith which then makes the Lord's Supper and baptism meaningful and purposeful. So let's move on to how faith is fortified. We've looked at how it's formed. It's through the preaching of the gospel, but it is also confirmed or strengthened or for the sake of cool alliterations, fortified. How faith is fortified? Question 66 says, what are sacraments? The answer is sacraments are holy signs and seals. So the first thing we're told is that they are visible. Signs and seals. Visible signs and seals. They're holy signs and seals for us to see. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, he might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and might put his seal on that promise. So what the catechism is teaching us here is that these visible signs and seals are meant to help us understand the gospel. And this is the promise of the gospel. This is God's gospel promise to forgive our sins and give us eternal life by grace alone because of Christ's one sacrifice finished on the cross. These are the sacraments. They're holy signs and seals that are here for us to see. It's important that we understand the difference between the word and the sacraments, but that we understand the similarities as well. One key uh, difference 
between the Word and the sacraments is the Word is something that you hear. The Word is something that is preached to you. It's proclaimed to you. But baptism is something that you see. It's even something that you can feel. It's water upon you. It's visible. The Lord's Supper is something that you even taste, eat. And they're given to us by God because He understands the frailty, the weakness of our humanity. In fact, the reason why we're not allowed to use whatever sorts of images and signs and and visible representations of whatever is because God has given us two. He's given us bread and the cup. He's given us the water of baptism. These are the visible representations of what God has accomplished for us in Jesus Christ, what He's accomplished for us in the gospel. How faith is fortified through these signs and seals is also key. What does the catechism teach us? It says that God has, God has given us these to help us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel. Now, that is not to say that the gospel is unclear, that the word is unclear to give us the gospel. It's that experiential aspect that God has given us here. It's so that when you see the splashing of water, you can remember God's promise to you in your baptism. It's so that every time you see somebody pour a glass of wine or break a piece of bread, you can remember what God has done for you in, your, in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's these visible signs and seals and that's really actually where our, 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 uh, our scripture passage falls tonight. Abraham is this perfect example of what it means to be justified by faith alone. Yet he's also a perfect example of what it means to have this faith formed in him. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? But then to have this faith strengthened, confirmed, by the use of an Old Testament sacrament, if we want to use that language. And this is what the Word tells us in verse 9. Is this blessing this only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And then verse 11 tells us, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. This is what Abraham goes through here is what every adult convert experiences in our church. They hear the preaching of the gospel. They believe and then God credits that as righteousness imputes that as righteousness because they believe in Jesus Christ. The work of Jesus Christ has now been applied to them, right? And then they receive the sign of baptism, sign and seal of baptism, and they're permitted 
we take the Lord's Supper. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And this was before he was circumcised. Now we'll talk about what we do with the children of believers, but that's not the point at this point in the catechism. Then, after he had that faith, which was credited to him as righteousness, then he received the sign of circumcision, which was a seal of the righteousness he had. This is important because, according to Roman Catholic doctrine, baptism does what baptism does because it's baptism. And the Lord's Supper does what the Lord's Supper does, or they would call it Mass, because it's the Lord's Supper. And there has, there's no requirement or there's no prerequisite for the Word to inform what the sign is doing. There's no prerequisite for the faith formed by the preaching of the gospel to be something that, if we want to use this kind of language, activates the, the grace. That is, it's a poor wordage, but that the grace that is in the Lord's Supper or in baptism. It doesn't matter if your parents are believers, if, if they're presented for baptism, then they're regenerated. It doesn't matter if you have true faith, you are partaking of Jesus' actual body and blood, and that is giving you spiritual sustenance. It doesn't matter if you have faith yourself. You see what I'm saying here? Because what they're saying is faith is fortified in us because the word which was preached to us, which formed faith in us, is now being strengthened in us because we have these visible signs and seals of, of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we are following in the footsteps of Abraham. It's helping us to understand the gospel more. It's not something entirely different. It's pointing us in the same direction. And look at what it says here. And this is God's gospel promise. To forgive our sins and give us eternal life by grace alone, because of Christ's one sacrifice finished on the cross. You might think that that wording is not important, but to forgive us our sins and give us eternal life is what is expressed to us in the waters of baptism. Waters that wash away the dirt in the same way, this is a visible sign that God, through Jesus Christ, will wash away your sins and give you eternal life, right? The Lord's Supper is a representation of Christ's one perfect sacrifice. His body broken for us. His blood shed for us. Poured out for us. So God's gospel promise is summarized perfectly in the two sacraments that he has chosen to give to us that we may see with our own eyes because of our, the weakness of our faith, that we may feel, taste the truth, the reality of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And speaking of that, that's when we bring this full circle and come to question 67, which teaches us how our faith is focused. Our faith 
is focused upon one specific thing. Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Answer is right. In the gospel, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and through the Holy Sacraments, He assures us that our entire salvation rests on Christ, one sacrifice for us on the cross. So, if we look at it this way, we have gospel, or we could call it word, the word of God that's preached. And then we have Christ. And then we have sacraments. The gospel points to Christ. The sacraments point to Christ. The word informs us what the meaning of the sacraments are. They point to Christ. That's that's what it looks like. Our faith is being focused upon the one thing it should be focused upon, and that is Christ. His body broken for us, His blood shed for us, His life poured out for us, that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the purpose of the gospel. That is the purpose of the sacraments. They all point to the same thing, that we have nothing in ourselves that, should be, that we should be saved or should have grace at all, but because of what Christ has done, we have salvation. Because of what Christ has done, we can rest and live lives of gratitude. Because of what Christ has done. Our faith is being focused upon Him, upon what He has done for us. The gospel proclaimed when the Word is preached, if it's not pointing to Christ, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. When the sacraments are being presented, when someone is baptized and it's not pointing to Christ, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. When the Lord's Supper is served and it's not pointing to Christ, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. They all point to Christ. They all inform us, strengthen us, remind us of the one and only, one and only Sacrifice that is sufficient for us, which Christ made on the cross. And listen to the words here. In the gospel, the Holy Spirit teaches us. And through the Holy Sacraments, He assures us. When you consider your baptism, are you assured? When you partake of the Lord's Supper, are you assured of what Christ has done for you? That your entire salvation has been paid for, has been taken care of. It rests on what Christ has done and not on what you do. Faith has been formed in us by the preaching of the gospel, fortified or strengthened in us by our use of the sacraments and focused upon Christ and His one and perfect sacrifice. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the blessing that You have given to us.
and the two sacraments which you have given us in baptism and the Lord's Supper, that they may be visible signs and seals of the love that you have for us as your people, the grace which you have extended to us. Lord, may we make use of the preaching of your word. When we sit under it, may we listen closely. May we pray that you would work mightily through it and powerfully through it. Even in my own heart, Father, as I preach, may you be preaching to me. Father, may we make use of the means of grace and baptism and the Lord's Supper. May we improve upon our baptism. May we come again this month to take the Lord's Supper and may we consider the death that your Son experienced on our behalf. May we partake in faith and be reminded the strength and the sustenance you provide for us as we strive for that day which is coming. Lord, your gospel is a comforting gospel. Your sacraments are comforting sacraments. May we be comforted. May we be comforted as we go throughout this week knowing all that you've given to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.